Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Michael Asset. We're going to be talking about how you can teach your dog to be a off-leash dog, but really our focus is to get our dog walking next to us, right? So we can have that like loose leash walking style without the leash. You don't need the leash. You don't need to be using the leash. You don't have to pop them, give them corrections to get them to focus with you. You don't have to wait for them to get to the end of the leash and then turn around and do a 360. We're going to, we're going to get rid of all of that. And we're going to teach you how to do it without needing a leash at all so that eventually you can get to an off-leash kind of status. Now, if you don't know who I am, I've been training dogs for nearly 10 years. My name is Michael Aceta. I'm the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. I'm the host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast and have worked with over 12,000 dogs and their owners. Solving problem behaviors, teaching basic obedience and manners, and fixing a lot of the problems that come from training an old style of way or just a way that didn't account for problems that come up, right? Like, for example, having your dog get to the end of the leash and then turning around and doing a 360 oftentimes will result in the dog always going to the end of the leash. It is the opposite of what we want if we want our dog to walk next to us. It just doesn't make any sense. So we're going to get rid of those kinds of things. And we're going to get back to effective ways of training your dog. The easiest way to get from point A to point B without having to go through all of the mistakes in between. Okay. Now, before I jump into today's topic, I want to give you two things. Number one, if you are interested in the dog training cheat codes, I'm making the first chapter available. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this, but I'm making the first chapter available for you if you want to read it, because I think of it so important that one chapter, if you only took that one chapter away from the book, it'll save you so much time with your dog. And a lot of trainers don't even require this chapter in their training. I don't know why they do it, right? The dog training cheat codes, which I got right here, I'll show you this book. It's professional trainer secrets to fast results and reliable dogs. And most trainers don't tell you what's in the first chapter, although they do it themselves. I don't know why. So I'm making that first chapter available. Just click the link in the description. Number two, because we're talking about loose leash walking. Yes, I'm going to give you a lot of information here today, but sometimes it helps to have it written out so you can read through it. So I also made a little PDF, three steps to a peaceful walk. That link will be in the description as well. So let's jump into it. The first thing you got to do to have a dog that walks nicely with you is having a proper setup. Okay, now setup can be broken up into a different pieces. Number one, your equipment, the things that you're going to need. Number two, the environment that you're going to be working in. And number three, your mental state. Okay, now mental state might have, might should have come, might should have come. Wow, words today. <laughs> should have come first because you have to get your head in the right space. Your goal here in all of training is to keep your dog as successful as possible. If they are not successful, it is not their fault. Later on, right, we're in the teaching phase right now. But later on, as you get through training and you're testing your dog, if they're not successful, that's on them. But when you're trying to teach your dog something, you have to take full responsibility for how they behave, how they act, whether they're successful or not successful. You're in charge of all of that. That's what it means to be a leader. I'm in charge and responsible for my dog's learning. They're not responsible to learn whatever I put in front of them because I might not be a good teacher. 
If you're a better teacher, you will get better results. So focus on yourself first, getting the knowledge. That's exactly why you're watching this. Get the knowledge down so that you can teach your dog a lot better. Number two is the equipment you're going to need. I like to use a clicker. You're going to need treats, probably going to need a treat pouch. You don't need a leash for this because we're that's exactly what we're trying to work on, teaching our dog to enjoy being with us and walking nicely next to us without needing a leash. So you need a clicker, some kind of conditioned reinforcer. You can use a whistle. You could say the word yes, but if you've watched any of my other episodes, then you know I don't really like the word yes. I would use a clicker. Grab a clicker, high-value reinforcement. This does not mean you have to go buy the treats at PetSmart and Petco. You should be getting something that's super high value. If the treats at PetSmart and Petco are, great, kudos to you. But cheese, hot dogs, cold cuts, boiled chicken, steak. I had a client who used steak recently. Although it's expensive, it works really well, right? It doesn't have to be expensive. You can get a pack of 20 mozzarella cheese sticks for like $4.99 at Walmart, okay? That's what I prefer to use oftentimes, and my dogs absolutely love it. High-valued reinforcement. And a treat pouch. You could put it in the pouch of your sweater. You could put it in your pockets if you really want, or you can get a designated treat pouch. We'll talk about in other episodes how we should phase out the treat pouch so our dog doesn't become dependent on it. But that's your setup. Now, you also need the environment and where you're going to work. I like to work in a nice open field that could be gated off, depending on where you live. That will make it really easy for you. If it's not gated off and you still want to do this, although I'm saying you don't need a leash, I would practice with a long leash. For emergency cases, if your dog gets too far away, you can stop them with the long leash, okay? For safety. Other than that, they should be in a nice enclosed space. You could do this in the backyard. You could do this at a tennis court. You could do this at a basketball court with the high fences. As long as nobody's there and you're not bothering anybody and they allow dogs, by all means, use the space. Take them off leash. Let them explore for a couple minutes so that then we can start working. So once you have this set up right, you have a good environment, right? a safe environment. You're not going to a tennis court that's got broken glass everywhere. A safe environment that is enclosed and your dog can be safe, but still have that free range. Once you have that, you have your treats with you, you have your conditioned reinforcer, and you're in the right mindset of keeping your dog successful. Here is your target goal. You're going to build engagement. And the way we're going to do that is by marking anytime our dog looks towards us, regardless of where they are in the field or in the enclosed space. They're over in the far corner and they just happen to look towards you. You're going to mark and you can toss a treat on the floor. Or if they run over to you, you can give them a treat. What we're going to do is we're going to take the giant space of the field and we're going to bring it slightly closer. And then when they get good there, we're going to bring it slightly closer. Now, physically, you can't move the fence. But what will happen is your dog will stop going so far away from you because they know being closer to you gets them treats. Now, I want to make a point here. If your dog is sticking at your side because they know you have treats, that is one of the problems that come up with positive reinforcement. Oh, my dog only listens because there's treats. That means we need to get rid of the treat pouch and you need to hide it somewhere else. You also need to give your dog ample opportunity to go explore. When I grab treats for the first time to work with my dogs, I do not work right away. I might put the treats in my pocket or wear the treat pouch around the house for two, three hours. I'm not saying you have to do that when you go out. Your dog's probably not going to need that. But if you have high value treats, they're going to know. So wait for them to get distracted by the environment, to completely ignore and forget the fact that you have treats, and then you can start working on this. So they're in the far right corner, the far left corner, whatever it is. You could stand in the middle. That'll make it the easiest. 
And when they look towards you, just out of curiosity, they got bored doing what they're doing. They look towards you. You're going to mark. They're going to come. You're going to give them a treat. Or you can toss a treat on the floor near you. So they'll have to come and get it eventually. If the conditioned reinforcer isn't conditioned appropriately, that means when you click, they don't know if they're getting a treat or not. You should not be doing this exercise yet. You should go back home in your living room and condition the reinforcer appropriately. Then you can start working on these things, right? So you're outside. They're engaging with you. You get a couple repetitions in. Now, they might get distracted and go right back to doing what they're doing. That's totally fine. That's expected. I would expect your dog to do that. They'll get their treat and they'll go back to doing what they're doing because they just haven't learned yet what the goal is. So the next time they look at you, you know, after five or 10 repetitions, the next time they look at you, you're not going to mark. But they know that that got rewarded before. So they're going to try one step above looking at you and they might take a step. As they move, as they pick up their paw, you're going to mark and reward that. Mark, toss a treat. If you're close enough, you can toss it towards them or you can have them come all the way to you. You're going to repeat this process over and over and you'll see them starting to come closer and closer. Now, oftentimes what will happen is instead of getting to the edge of the barrier, wherever you're at, your dog will only go a couple feet and turn back toward you. When they do that, mark and reward them. Super simple, super, super simple, right? And that space will become shorter and shorter. So instead of going all the way out here, they're going to go halfway. They're going to turn back at mark and reward. Then they're going to go half of that halfway. They're going to go a quarter of the way to the barrier. And then they're going to get slowly closer and closer throughout the entire training session. And eventually, if you've done this right, they'll be stuck by you, regardless of whether you, they think you have treats or not. They'll just think that that's where they should be, which is exactly what we want. Now, you haven't moved at any point during this. All you've done is teach, teach, taught. <laughs> All you've done is taught engagement. And that's exactly what you should have done. Teach them engagement first. Have them engage with you. Because if they are not engaged, they can't move with you. They can't walk with you. It's just not going to happen. So now that there's engagement, now you can start moving. So you could toss a treat away from you to get them to go towards the treat and get distracted a little bit. And then I want you to move over. Have them come back to you and teach them to find you, regardless of where you go. You could toss a treat one way and then run the other way. Right? They get the treat. Then they're like, ooh, where's mom or dad? They find you. They run straight to you. We mark and reward that. We want to build up their motivation to be with you. We want to build up their desire to drive towards you and put a lot of effort into getting to you, and then we're going to mark and reward that. So as your dog's running, you should mark. That's what I mean by that, is you're going to be marking the moment of the most amount of effort, and then we're going to reward them afterwards. That's what the marker allows us to do. And the last one is rewarding effectively. Right. So you, you had a very strong setup. You've had a very strong engagement now. And now we got to reward them effectively. This can be broken up into two pieces. First, rewarding them for moving, stopping with you, right? intentionally marking exactly what you want, and then rewarding that. And I'm going to go over those things in a second. The second version of rewarding effectively is variable reward scheduling or different reward scheduling, which we'll go over that in a second. So the first part of rewarding, right? If I'm going to move, if I move to the right, and my dog moves with me, I'm going to mark as they move with me, and I'm going to give them a treat. If I move to the left, and they move with me, I'm going to mark and reward that. This is slightly above that engagement where they're finding you. We're making sure that they're actually paying attention to where you're going, whether you're moving forward, backwards, right, left, diagonally, wherever you're going, they've got to pay attention, regardless of whether it looks like they're paying attention. So if they could be looking over here, and I could move, 
And now they got to move with me. They have to move with me. If they move with me, I'll mark and reward that. The other part is having you like run or move a little bit more and then stopping abruptly. If they stop with you, you're going to mark and reward that. Seems like so simple, right? Wow, this is so simple. All I got to do is set up a, situ a situation. I got to get engagement with my dog. I got to teach him to move with me and teach him to stop with me. That sounds super simple because it is. That's the whole point of it. It's not difficult to get your dog to walk nicely next to you. What's probably more difficult is all of the distractions that happen in an environment, which means your dog has to be exposed to those distractions. But most often, people don't go out in those distractions because their dog doesn't walk nice on leash. We got rid of the leash. right? If you get rid of the leash, there's no tension. There's no animosity. You're not pulling them one way and they're pulling the other way. right? That opposition reflex that everybody talks about. When you pull a dog off balance by their leash, by their harness, by their collar, they fight back, right? If I'm pulling this way, I'm going to fight back this way to keep my balance. That's not what we want our dogs to do. So we get rid of the leash. We can put the leash on afterwards. It becomes an afterthought as a safety measure because they want to stick by us, because they learn to stick by us in an open space that they could have, get, could have gotten distracted by, but didn't. They didn't get distracted by it. They're engaging with us. We're teaching them to ignore the environment. We're teaching them to re-engage with us, to move with us, to stop with us. And then once you've done all that, and this is over multiple sessions, you should not be doing this all in one session unless you are an amazing trainer and your dog is fantastic, okay? The last step is to work your way up to a variable reward schedule. Now, I talk about variable reward schedules all the time, and I'm going to come out with another book called The Secrets of Dog Training Variable Schedule. Maybe that's not the title. I don't know. <laughs> The first one was the dog training cheat codes, which I mentioned earlier, and it talks about the secrets. But really, the, the greatest secret of dog training is a variable reward schedule. If you can master that, you will never have to treat your dog again. Okay, you'll have to treat your dog, but not nearly as much as you've had to in the beginning stages if you can teach them a really solid variable reward schedule. Now, what a variable reward schedule means is that you're going to teach your dog, no matter how many times they walk with you, stop with you, move with you, no matter how many times they do that, they may or may not get a treat, but you can't just jump to that. You have to work your way up to it. So if your dog can do that, can do the variable reward schedule, you are miles above anybody else who's trained their dog to walk next to them. And they accidentally do it. Most people accidentally teach their dog a variable schedule because they forget to give them a treat. We want to intentionally do it because if we intentionally do, if we bring focus to it, we can strengthen it far better than the average person. And that's our goal. We want to have a average dogs, well-behaved dogs, dogs that are miraculous, fantastic. The average is a dog that doesn't listen and pulls you down the street. We don't want that. We want well-behaved, good citizens of society that we enjoy hanging out with and don't cause us more chaos and grief. So those are my, those are my three steps on teaching your dog how to walk nice on leash without actually needing a leash. First, you need a good setup a good environment, you need treats, you need a conditioned reinforcer. You got to have all that stuff right there. Second, you need to build the engagement and teach them to ignore the environment by slowly shrinking when they get rewarded and shaping, really, you're shaping the behavior of sticking by you no matter what. And then third, you have to have effective rewarding. Teach them to move with you, to stop with you. Teach them that no matter how long you walk for, no matter how many times you stop and they stop with you, no matter how many times you start and move and they move with you, no matter how many times they do that, they're going to get a reward at some point. They just don't know when. And so they keep gambling. They keep trying in the hopes that the next repetition, they'll get a treat. If you are interested in training with me one-on-one, -on -one, 
Click the link in the description to put that down there as well, along with the first chapter of the dog training cheat codes and the three steps to a peaceful walk, which goes in a little more depth of what I went over today. It helps you actually walk you through the process, walk you through, ah, that's funny, <laughs> walk you through the process of walking your dog and teaching them the skills that I kind of broke down here today. So thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you as always. I'll see you guys next time.